Jimmy. Downstairs for a sandwich? Yeah, what kind? Your favorite sandwich, Jimmy. Okay, sounds good. Hey, everybody. Yes, welcome back to the Paid Search Podcast. I'm here with a big chunk of herb roasted prime rib. About to put them in the oven and <laughs> cook a nice dinner here, Chris. Chris, how's it going today? Oh, the great Chris Schaefer's. Yeah, that, that, and, and I'm with the award winning. Google Ads manager to the stars, Jason Rothman. Jason, I'm good. As many of you know, Jason and I manage independent companies, and yet we have both found each other at the pinnacle of success. And that's why we're here to give each other a high five over our mountain of money. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and it is a it's a beautiful uh, summer. Summer day here in Texas. Jason, I assume the sun shines on Oklahoma as well. Yeah, sun shines. Nice uh, nice weather this week. Uh, I made a very large purchase that we'll talk about in Patreon that Ooh. has to do with weather. And um, we've been enjoying it. So everything's good here. It's, uh, it's July 30th as we're recording this, Chris. Yes. And I don't know about you, and I don't know about maybe every other single person in the world, but I feel like this year's just getting away from me. Like What? If where where did the summer go? Are you, you know ki- what I mean? Like Are you kidding me? This month is dragged on. <laughs> it's dragging for you. For me, it's just like, wow, I blink and like another month's gone and nothing's I agree now. Feels, I, I I lost my sense of seasonality, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I yeah. I feel like it slowed down mid-year and now you know once we're past mid-year things are speeding up again just because i i can step outside again that that helps um but uh but yeah you know yeah it is it's august it's first of the month hey all you managers out there first of the month best time of the month not really but uh yeah hope your reports are going out your client calls are going well uh and for those of you that have figured out how to completely avoid that stress. Um, you know what? Shut up. That makes me mad. Don't don't talk to me. Um, but for for the rest of us, the ninety nine percent that are still trying to squeeze by and get everything we can done in the eight hours, the ten hours, the twelve hours of the day that we are not sleeping or doing other things, we're struggling. And I got good news for you guys. There's hope. There is hope. That's right. Put down the donut. You don't need to eat yourself into a grave. I have a tool to help you get more done in a limited time. During the first of the month time, you have less and less time to take care of things because you're sending reports, you're doing things, you're, you're talking to clients, and you need to get your normal Google Ads management done on time and effectively. And Optio is the tool that Jason and I recommend to get things done faster in Google Ads. Every week, I talk a little bit about some of the things that I like um, and try and explain about why this is such such a great tool. I'm going to share another thing. There's one thing that Google added in the past couple years, which is a very nice-looking graph where you can put a couple metrics together, move your mouse around, see different numbers. Guys, this graph, if you've seen Optio, 
This graph isn't where it's at. Optio has graphs, right? There's all kinds of ways to look at these metrics, multiple graphs on one screen. I like graphs. I like to see trends. You know, I'll often see trends in graphs that I don't see in numbers. Because when you look at something over a scale of time, you'll recognize like, wow, we're up 200% on click-through rate. I didn't realize that because it kind of creeps by week by week. And I didn't realize how much higher I am than I was two months ago. These graphs are great. Visualizations of your data can make a massive difference. And this is all part of a suite that you can use of all kinds of tools within Optio. Optio.com slash PSP2 for an eight-week trial. That'll get you through a couple of months, a couple of of first-of-the-month situations where you need to get more done faster because you have reports to send out. So this is a great tool. Go check it out. Opteo.com slash PSP2. And be sure and support our sponsors because... They keep us here with you every day. Thanks, Chris. And yeah, it is a great time to try your free offer from Optio, your free trial, because it is the first of the month. And Chris, I would say the first of the month, that is just that if you can master that as a Google Ads manager, whether you're in-house or uh, working outside as an agency or freelancer, that really is one of the hardest parts of the job is that cycle that comes each month so if you can get that down and get a good tool that you like working with really helps so today chris we're going to be talking about how to grow the lazy man build after launching it uh, how to manage it and some different questions that come up we did our lazy man build last week and it's actually trending as uh, one of the most quickly downloaded episodes yep. ever. Wow. So we can see how many downloads we get over the first 30 days, first seven days, and so on. And this one is uh, getting a lot of listens and shares, and we appreciate that. And I think it's because it's a different kind of take on the build process. And also, I think it's also a, a problem that a lot of people knew they realized they had once they heard someone describe it, but maybe they didn't realize they didn't know how to name that problem. But they were struggling with that sense of like, wow, it's taking me multiple days to build something out. And then I go back and redo everything anyway, and don't use 90% of it. So I think it's kind of exposed a problem to a lot of people that they, they couldn't really put their finger on uh, before. But now that we've explained it, they're like, wow, that is a different way of looking at it. So Got a lot of reviews coming in. This one's from Canada. It's from Alex. Five-star review on, on Apple Podcasts. Excellent PPC content for any skill level. I'm not entirely sure I should be taking advice from someone who cannot pronounce poem, but after <laughs> listening to hours of this podcast, I'm sold. It's an excellent digital marketing resource presented in a unique conversational way. Highly recommended. Hmm. Yeah, well, I don't take uh, enunciation advice from Yankees, but uh, thank you. Thank you so much for the review. Yes, you don't take uh, geography advice from anyone. No. <laughs> no, I'd... Because if he's up in Canada, right. that would not be a Yankee. Well, north. He's north. I just, you know, there's Texas and then there's Yankees. In South America, what is the oh, southern... No. What is the most? What country represents the most southern tip of South America? Okay, that's that's easy. Wait, South America? What? Oh shoot, South America. I just looked. What at- country is closest 
to Antarctica, the most southern oh, I part. Just looked at this of the South other day. America. I really did. I was looking at a map. You're googling it. It's not fair if you Google it. Um, well, I know the answer, but I just want to verify. It was. When I it was like make fun of you not was, being able to know it. Was it? Was it like? No, I don't remember. It's a couple different. Well, you got to say a name. Well, it's Patagonia. That's what it is. <laughs> Patagonia. I mean, do do you want? You know, it's very interesting, Chris. I I thought it was Argentina, but the western side of uh, South South America, there's Chile, and it kind of wraps around at the bottom. And I think you could argue a part of Chile is the most southern. Yeah, that's kind of debatable. That's true. Um, yeah, I was actually believe it or not, I was actually looking at a map the other day because I got I inherited a world book collection from a grandfather from 1964. Pretty cool. Like all the pictures are just not pictures. They're drawings (laughs) because they didn't have a whole lot of photography that they could afford to put in there. So they had a lot of drawings. And so it was lots of drawings. So I'm enjoying looking through it. And I was looking at Antarctica and I noticed, um, I was actually looking at a couple weeks ago and I noticed when you look at Antarctica straight on, north and south, all the countries kind of bend, you know, because of the way that the world is kind of curved like that at the bottom comparatively when you look, as opposed to looking at it from the side. It puts a whole new perspective yeah. on the curvature of the countries. You know, a few weeks ago on uh, one of the cable news shows I watched, they were talking about how all the current maps that we have of the world are actually not accurate and like, they were trying to say, like, the United States is way, way tinier than it's represented on a map, oh. the standard maps. Okay. And that other continents were way, way, way bigger. Huh. And I was, it was so different than what the way I grew up and stuff. I was just like, now, even if that's the way it is, I'm not going to accept yeah. it. We're going to stick with now, the yeah. map I know. Yeah. That's now when I imagine the United States, it's, it's the biggest. Chris. What's warmer on average? Uh-oh. Greenland or Iceland? Iceland because it, it the the names are 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 kind of silly the way that they named them, right? And how do you know that? Well, because the the ironic naming is the only, is my only guess. I don't know it, but I assume Iceland. Oh, you don't remember the, you don't remember the Mighty Ducks where they describe it in that no. in that movie? No, I don't remember. Oh. I watch movies and then immediately forget them because they're not books. Oh, power statement. <laughs> You know, Chris, you're like a you're like a triple layer velvet cake. Oh, you know, we only scratch the surface sometimes, but there's a lot there. <laughs> Represented by your bookshelf, there's a lot of uh, oh, stuff yeah. on there. A lot of books. Could, there's a globe on your bookshelf. I could do a yeah. I never look at that. I <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on these. Like the shelf right behind me, I'm reading through this whole thing right now. That's you guys want to hear a podcast about the Wheel of Time? We could talk about that. It's a great fantasy series. With that, we'll get to Google, and we'll go straight to Google Ads because we've, we're losing people here, Jason. No, no, no. You know, I don't care. That's the thing. <laughs> I can't say that. You can't say that because people will be like, this guy just said he doesn't care about me. Well, I mean. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm confident in the product we put out, you know. That's true. The, we'll get there. We don't have to use the words action, actionable in, insights. We don't have to create notes for the podcast. We give gold. 
Every now and then when you're sifting through your sister, that's true. That's true. there's we a lot don't... of dirt like the beginning of this episode you got to get through, but there's a lot of gold in there. <laughs> that's true. Like everybody hey, else what, 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 puts What kind of effort. problem would I have in my brain if I just came out here and just gave gold just week after week after week for years and years? Got to, you know, you got to take a few parts of the show and just relax a little bit. It's a lazy man build. It's a lazy, it's a word. It's just, I think <laughs> it's what affecting I said. our performance well, here. <laughs> I think what I said at the beginning of the show, Jason and I come here every week to give each other a high five from the top of the mountain. I mean, that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> All right. Well. All right. You ready? You ready to, you ready to hype yourself up? You ready to go now, Chris? Believe it or not, we've 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 drug you guys through this whole conversation that you're not a part of at all. You just get to listen. But believe it or not, Jason has a couple bombs that he's already like just kind of hinted when he's going through the show notes with me and everything. Just you're in for a treat. And last week was a lot of fun to talk about because I could hear minds exploding even as we were you know talking. So you're you guys are going to enjoy this. This is going to be this is going to be really valuable for you. So yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, Chris, so let's get into it. So this thing about lazy man builds, it's they're cool to talk about. They're very enjoyable to do because they're easy. You know, it's it's easy. But once you press the green button and you start running, there's a lot to think about, a lot to do. But the way I kind of phrase it for you before the show is the difference between turning on a lazy man build and turning on a regular campaign manager build is that dumb people overbuild their builds and then they shrink them once they launch mm. they launch and then they start shrinking we the smart people underbuild purposely underbuild our campaigns they're not as good as we could make them because the point is to grow them once you launch your campaign so the dumb people are in the ever long process of shrinking shrinking patching things up oh, fixing things man yeah we're in the in the process of growing making it better and the i'm looking at a stock right now to invest chris i'll probably get 10 to 20 times my money and never have to do this podcast with you again <laughs> it's going to take a few years but um like the first thing you drop very interesting as soon as you get interesting rich stock enough, and <laughs> you're just like oh I'm the done. first thing yeah top of the list yeah <laughs> top of the list i'm just kidding chris <laughs> Just a joke, but but the point of that my point is that I'm looking at this company. It's in it's in the real estate space, and when you invest in companies, one of the things you always have to realize is: are those businesses in your circle of competence? Do you understand them? If there's some pharmaceutical company out there, that's not my industry. I'm I'm not going to be able to understand that even within like a month. I'm not going to be good at it because I don't have that background. But the thing with investing in a real estate company. You got to be able to understand it because that's the easiest business in the world. That's the most simple business in the world. It's the most universal business, mm -hmm. land, rent, real estate. Yeah. And so the reason I bring that up is because this analogy or this metaphor of dumb people building and then shrinking and then smart people underbuilding and then growing, it comes back to the most universal metaphor in the world, real estate. What do you always say when clients ask you if you're going to work on their campaigns or build new ones? What I say is I can't go into a house that has a bad foundation. I need a solid foundation. So it's a classic metaphor. If we're going to build something, build it right. And whatever you do at the beginning of building a house, you're going to 
either benefit from that years and years later, or you're going to pay the price if you have a bad foundation. And so to me, that's what these lazy man's builds do. You're conservative with it. You build small, but because you build small, you can build right. And you have that amazing foundation where you can grow on and you don't have to fix things. I saw when I said the word patch things up, that really struck a chord with you. Yeah. Because I think you've been there where you overbuild and then you're trying to do patchwork. Uh, just speak to that, Chris. Does, does this does this uh, connect with you, the idea that you're growing, not fixing, once you start launching a lazy man? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, I always have to think of the latest example of, of what I'm working on because I, I like to be very practical in my discussion on this. And the fact is, when I look at something that's built out wrong, over-engineered, let's say, you know, something's over-engineered, someone who has so much confidence in their ability to control search traffic and that they know every avenue that the person will search so far that they'll go as to block search terms. They'll set up Avenue A and Avenue B, Avenue C and D and on 1,500 times. And then they'll be so confident that they'll block Avenue A from everything else so that only the keywords come through Avenue A that are referencing A and B and C, you know, for each one of them. They think that they've covered all their bases. And I was just looking at a campaign the other day, reviewing it, and I, I saw the exact opposite of that happening. They're literally spending more per click because they've set up so many avenues, they've over-engineered the entire thing that they're paying more per click because they're having to make sure this keyword comes through this channel and this comes through this one. And there's no opportunity for the system to optimize based on what has the best ad rank for that search term and to show up in the proper funnel, the proper channel. And it was falling apart. I kept seeing B come through C and D come through A and, and just everything was mixed up. And when you look down at the details, it was a mess. And my approach is, let's rebuild it. Let's rebuild and start simple with what we know. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been working great. So I love it. I think that's a beautiful way. Dumb people overbuild and shrink and smart people underbuild and grow. I think that's... And that's the, the, be the beauty of an underbuild is it, it's not impressive to look at. It's not amazing. It doesn't visually show off the years and years of experience you've accumulated but that experience is still there because what you've done is you've you've kind of not messed anything up at the beginning you've given yourself the ability to have a perfect campaign at some point whereas these overbuilds you've just taken a perfect campaign off the table right from the start uh most of the time when you build it that way so that's kind of the mindset the mindset when you're running and turning on and launching a lazy man build is to grow and to kind of grow to that pinnacle of a perfect campaign. So the question is, how do you do that? What are you looking at early on? Well, Chris, the first thing every Google Ads manager is going to deal with is ramp up. And let's all pull up the documentation and all the blog articles written about <laughs> ramp up right now. Oh, wait, there's uh, no. nothing. Yeah. And it's something that I created because I'm smarter than every person on the planet. <laughs> I would never think that, Chris. Never. It's such a You've never said embarrassing that. way to think. No, <laughs> I would never think that. No, but I came across a kind of a unique theory here that I, I have developed, uh, which is the Google Ads ramp up is real. You're bidding 
$30. Someone else is bidding $30. They have a quality score of five. Oh, not a great quality score, blah, blah, blah. You don't have any quality score. Yeah, you have nothing. <laughs> so what are you going to talk about their five for? So if you're bidding with nothing, they're bidding with a three, a four, a five. They still have a way higher ad rank than you. And even though you see your ad, you see it in the preview tool, it just seems like stuff is weird during the initial time period. So the question for you is, Chris, you just built a lazy man. The client said, turn it on. Literally, what is your sit there time period? Uh, do you check it later that afternoon? Do you check it the next day? Do you check it in one or two weeks? How long do you let it sit there before you check it? Okay. So, I mean, definitely not weeks. I mean, I honestly, I check it the next day. I certainly don't let it go beyond 24 hours. With, with so you block off an hour of your time to go through every single detail of that account. You block off three hours of your time. <laughs> or by check, do you mean 10 seconds? Right. Well, okay, good, good. Because that's all I'm doing. I mean, I check it too, but I don't want to give the false impression that there's a ton of data to right. analyze and that's things a good to point. Do. Yeah, that's a good point. So no, yeah, I do check it. But when I say check, I mean check. I mean, like, I, I, I make sure there's no super obvious issues like, is it running? Is it getting clicks? Uh, does it have impressions and no clicks? Does it have impressions? Yeah, yeah, does it have impressions, period. Are there some keywords that have already spent 80% of the budget and nothing else is spending? You know, Are there any giant holes in my negative keyword list that is only a few keywords long that I immediately need to add? So I'll check the search terms. Things like that. Stuff that's just, is my boat sinking already? And if that's not happening... I don't go in and start adding new keywords. No way. Not in the first day, not in the first week. You, do you agree with me that this Google Ads ramp up, letting it get some quality score history oh, yeah. is a real thing? Absolutely. And that the first week, first two weeks is maybe not representative at all of what's coming down the line? Yeah, absolutely. Because I will see things start popping up for the same keywords I know you see this too. The same keywords will start seeing new things pop up that never popped up in the first week or two weeks. You'll start seeing things that, oh, wow, that showed up. I was not getting that before, and that's converting for me, or it's, you know, that's a whole new idea. So there's definitely a change. So whether you want to call it a ramp up or whatever, there is a change. There is a shift from day one, day two, all the way through, I would say, at least the first week. I mean, it just depends on how fast you're getting data. I mean, I, I write off the I write off the first week, first two weeks. I'm sure. really at this point. I've just seen it too many times. I'm looking at the first month before I kind of decide that that is the volume we're going to get. But I I agree with you. I don't I don't take my eyes off of it. I'm I'm still looking at it daily, checking it. But really, during that first week, I'm not expecting too much. I'm just like you, looking for obvious issues, ad approval issues. Are we getting impressions? Are the search terms, which we'll talk about in a second, like way worse than we're expecting and what's causing that? But really, we're just kind of letting it breathe, letting it get some data, get some history, and um, just looking for obvious issues uh, during at least the first, I would say for me, the first couple of weeks. I'm just really not expecting sure. too much yeah. during the first couple of weeks. So once you do start getting data, you start getting impressions, you start getting clicks, or maybe you don't. At some point, you're going to have to decide, is this ramp up or am I bidding wrong? Mm -hmm. So if you don't get the kind of volume you're expecting or any volume or just way, way lower than you're expecting, it's either because people aren't searching for your product or service at a high enough rate. But 
if you've worked in an industry before or if you have a common sense industry like roofing in uh, the Denver metro area, you know that should be getting some volume because there's a lot of searches for it. So if you're not getting the kind of volume that you want to get, it could be a bidding issue. If you're running out of budget every day, it could be a bidding issue. So one of the biggest things I'm looking at early on, Chris, is bidding. And I, you and I promote this so heavily, the idea of like, when you're setting it up, bids don't matter. Just put something in there and you can change it anytime you want. Yep. But then you got to change it yeah. anytime you want. So <laughs> yeah. one of the questions we're going to get from people is, how do you know if you're bidding too little or too much? Mm. And how long does it take you to figure that out? So walk me through your process. That's a great there. question. Yeah. I would say it is easier to know if you're bidding too much. I would say that is much more evident than if you're bidding too little. If you're bidding too much, this is what it looks like. Your absolute top and top are high percentage within the first one to two weeks. If you're seeing 80% uh, above organic and let's say 40, 50 or higher in absolute top first position, you're bidding too much, especially if it's, you know, for everything, everything's popping and in your overall campaign sees like a 50% first position and an 80% above top. That's like way too high. What do you, you don't, you don't, you don't agree with Oh, that. no, I'm just signaling you. You were saying the other day how we should just put our hands up if we have something to say. <laughs> so I was just doing that. You're doing that because this isn't on, this is on audio only. <laughs> no, no, I was just kidding. I signal them in a way with one finger and to throw them. Well, well that- no, Chris, I just wanted to jump in there and say, I agree with you if your top impression share is very high, your absolute top impression share is also uh, very high. Mm-hmm then that means you're bidding aggressively. The words too much, to me, cue the word budget. Okay, so that's a good point. So if you're, yeah, if you're, for the way I look at that I'm bidding too much, and I totally agree with you, it's so much easier to find out if you're bidding too much or too little. Because if you're bidding too much, there's going to be one signal, limited by budget. You're going to be running out of budget. Yep, there you go. And you're going to know that like, oh, okay, there's way more volume than my daily budget. I am running out of budget. Let me look at my impression share top and absolute. And if that's high and I'm limited by budget, yeah, I can pull things back a little. That's where I decide that I'm bidding too much, limited by budget. And I know that if I pull back, I won't be limited by, by, by budget. And then if you pull back too much, you won't spend enough. Yep, there you go. And then you'll know you need to raise it from there. So when there's volume, that's a very easy thing to figure out. But take us to the other end, Chris. Let's say you're not spending your full budget what steps do you go through to decide if that's a volume issue, if that's a ramp-up issue, if that's a ad copy bad quality score issue, or if that's a, hey, I'm not bidding enough issue? How do you decide that? So for me, the way it looks is finding out if I'm bidding too little is not an instant answer. It's over days. So I start bumping the bids by percentages. Uh, depending on how aggressive I want to be, it might be a 25% bump, a bump, 50% bump, 100% bump. You know, I, I start bumping the bids. And eventually, I'll find out just how much I'm underbidding or the fact that that keyword has no traffic 
or it's totally unaffordable. Or that group of keywords, that yeah. topic. Yeah, know. that whole topic or is... Or your location is too small. I'm off. You know, it's a good point too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it may it may turn out that, you know what? I'm way too narrow on this. You know, I, ca- I cannot do just one state or, or one county or something like that. So yeah, that's really what it's going to look like. There is no direct answer. There's no number that's going to say because there's so many factors. It could be the quality of your keyword. It could be... Uh, competition. It could be your geographic settings or your ad schedule or anything like that. You're you're targeted way too low in the funnel, and people just aren't looking for that. You need to take a, take a step back and be much more broad with what you're targeting. So there's no direct answer, and it's just a progression. Try and fail. Try and fail until you eventually find out. Oh, wow! This is like a thirty dollar CPC minimum. You know, like the, it's, I'm actually going to. Or that I much. used to run this industry in rural Iowa, and it was a five dollar CPC. Now I'm running in South Florida, and it's a twenty five dollar CPC. There you go. Yep. You find out things like that. Uh, so when you're not spending your full budget, and it doesn't seem reasonable. So let's like if you put on a thousand dollar daily budget in a small in a moving campaign in a small area, you're not going to spend your full budget ever because there's not enough volume. But if you have a budget that's say $30 a day or $50 a day, and you know that market is way bigger than that, and you're still not able to spend your daily budget, and you see your top impression share very low, you see your absolute top impression share almost never at the absolute top. That's how you kind of know, hey, I might be bidding way too low for this market. And it sounds like that's with bidding, that's the thing you're trying to decide. If, If you're not spending your daily budget and your daily budget is reasonable, it's either a million other issues or you're bidding too low. And it sounds like you're trying to rule out the bidding too low first because that's the most common reason why or at least the easiest thing to fix. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, well, so it sounds pretty common sense with your bids. Like if you're over, if you're overspending your budget, you lower them. That's how you know. And if you're underspending, you try raising them in increments. That's kind of your manual bidding process early on. And one thing we didn't mention, but is a huge indicator and I... We mention it all the time. I think we could do an entire show about it, but search impression share, the three search impression share metrics, search impression share, search search impression share lost due to rank, search impression share lost due to budget. Those three will fill in. Search impression share, meaningfulness lost to the new search impression share columns. There's new kids on the block, baby. That's Top impression share and absolute top impression share. That's true. I find I myself looking at the old school search impression shares a lot less oh. because we got these new ones. Really? Yeah. Oh, we'll have to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, a lot that. less. Well, especially search impression share lost due to rank. Because rank is kind of tied Obscure. to your position right. and your bidding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, budget is one I still definitely check That's, out. Search impression we, maybe share we should talk about an updated search impression share uh, chat. Because that sounds like maybe we need to revisit yeah. that. That'd be, Chris, that'd be interesting. Great idea. Please make all the notes for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have to do anything. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That sounds that sounds like a great idea. Search impression share 2020 Boom. update. New column. How to ninja your way to the top of Google and win forever. That's what we should name it. I will probably, on that episode, be singing Make New Friends but keep the old one is special and the other's gold. One is silver, the other's gold. You remember that song? Nope. Yeah. Well, you would if you were an old friend. <laughs> you got replaced in elementary school. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, um, that's a good idea to talk about that. Um, 
Now here's a here's a question. <laughs> oh boy. You know, I you know, a lot of people listen to me on this show and they do what I say uh-huh. in a lot of areas. Uh-huh. But there's one area where they I have zero influence. I have negative influence, <laughs> and that is with the manual bids. The more I talk about manual bids and how much money they've made me and how they've changed my life and how how I love them and how they give me total control and I get the best performance on planet Earth, the more people want to use automated bids and right. talk about them in our Patreon page. <laughs> and we get and we get on the Facebook group. We get messages through our website of people like Hey, I know you guys talk about manual, but have you really thought about automated? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And you haven't asked the question yet, so I'll let you I'll let you ask the question, then I'll answer it. Because I know your answer. Your answer is no to the question you're about to ask. <laughs> okay. Oh, actually I do this. What has to happen for you to switch to automated bids early on? So the man, so the lazy man build that as we described it contains manual bids when you start. So the question is what would it take for you to switch over to automated? What has to happen? Okay, so the the important part of the question was what happens? What has to happen early on to switch from manual to automated? We're talking about growing the lazy man build, and in that scenario, absolutely not. I do not change anything early on. That is not going to happen. Now, I've talked about scenarios when I do go from manual to automated. Uh, maximize clicks or CPA or something like that, but absolutely not early on. No, no question. First month, first two months, first three months, very, very unlikely within the first three months. It's going to be something closer to six, uh, six months before I start to consider that. So, yeah. The, the only thing I could see in making sense for me is just having a standard of like, I'm going to go through the the ramp up anyway, so might as well do it with with max clicks just to see what they put in there after they learn the the goes through the learning phase and see what it is. But you know what? I don't do that, so I don't do that. But I could see that being way. But it's interesting. You say there's really no scenario early on where you're going to have a need for yeah. automated if you're just trying stuff out, moving things up and down manually. No, I, I mean, the, the word picture that I have for this is you have a child in front of you and you set a plate in front of them, and you're like, now listen, child, make good choices about what you eat. And you have chocolate, you have some chicken, you have some broccoli, and then a, a sugar drink. And you just set them all out and say, make, make the best choices. And they, of course, eat all the stuff that's going to be gobbled up, like the chocolate and the sweet drink first. That's, that's how I approach Google. I Like a child, say, here's my budget, and here's my keywords. <laughs> Here's some looser keywords. <laughs> and here, here's the chocolate, which is the one word broad match keyword. Make good choices. Right. Especially after hearing your your willingness to try some loose broad match modified early on. Sure. That uh, is. To get things going. That's fine. Manual. Yeah. Manual bid. With manual. I get you. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about search terms keywords. For me, Chris, I mean, all the other stuff that comes into a Google Ads campaign extensions, even tracking, um, different settings. It's all kind of secondary to bids and search terms. Like that that's what it takes to to get something off the ground here. So we talked about it last week with your broad match modified strategy. By the way, I used that this week when I was building out a, a lazy man. I had actually built it out what I thought was lazy man style. Oh. My lazy man was actually a marathon runner <laughs> compared to your lazy man. <laughs> Because I had all these different match types and stuff. And I was like, you know what? This volume sucks. 
I need to get this client some volume. I'm just doing this. If I know they search this word and that word together in the search, that's exactly Boom. what I want. Yep. Let's just do it. Boom, broad match modified. And I did it with a few different words and it it started picking up. Yep. So I really appreciate that. Awesome. That's a big takeaway I got from last week was that if it's a lazy man, it's a lazy man and just go with broad match modified and just throw those suckers in there. So that said, sometimes you were saying you do broad match modified and you don't modify every word in the in the keyword. And so my question to you is, you know, that's going to bring in some stuff that may not be so great in the search term. So my first question is, once you start getting those, that search term data, how strictly do you judge that? Like uh, my, my threshold, I always say is like 97%. I want 97% quality search terms to the bad ones that sneak through when a campaign is perfect. Because bad stuff's always going to sneak through. That's what I aim for, 97%. What are you aiming for? What do you usually see on a lazy man? Is it like half good, half bad search terms, 80-20, or just usually it's great? Or, you know, how how rough is it when you go with broad match modified and some loose broad match modified? That is that is so hard to nail down because it really depends on the industry. Most of the time, if there's a search set of terms that are very closely related to mine, but have nothing to do with it. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, let's say you are an in-home care company, right? You, you, you take care like nursing home, but it's in-home, in-home medical care, in-home care for elderly, right? What something like that might look like for that might be 80% bad and 20% good at the beginning. Because you know what you're going to end up getting? A whole lot of stuff that's closely related to it but unwanted you know like like jobs tips programs for grandma you know uh videos salary you know, average wage how to deal with dementia you know i mean all this stuff that's just yeah. way out and then let's do something that is uh you're selling running shoes or you're you're selling uh, a weight loss or a gym program or something like that there's tons of searches that kind of hover around that and they all could be good because anybody who's they're searching... They're all a lot closer yeah, to quality. Yeah, they're all a lot closer. So that might be 80% good, 20% bad. So it really depends on how much of that, you know, hover junk is is good and how much of it is bad. So in a, in the case like uh, in-home care where it's a industry with... There's probably a few ways to search for it that are just absolute gold. But to be able to find those, yes. you got to sift through a lot of bad stuff. Yep. In an industry like that, you're willing to get some rough traffic early on with the lazy man in order to let the, to find those gems. That's part of the yeah, process. That's a great way to say it. Absolutely. Because it actually helps me three, six months down the line because I immediately find that junk and block it. Boom. There's a negative keyword. Boom. There's a negative keyword. I'm never going to get that again. Once I get the clicks and I see it, I'm never going to get it. I don't have to deal with that later. I can be much more lenient with my terms because a smart man grows his negative keyword list rather than overbuilding and shrinking. I talked about it in Patreon last week. I had a client, could have been a client, could be, could have paid me money for years and years, but they weren't looking for Google Ads management. Apparently, they were looking for a proposal oh, first yes, that guy. and then Google Ads management. And <laughs> that was a great story. They very much, yeah, good story, good story. David, I mean, man, you should have seen my attitude. <laughs> about this business after that call i was like what am i doing but uh yeah so they love their proposal but you know i have this whole new thing i'm kind of working out in my mind chris a new theory i'm gonna polish off with 
nice catchphrases and all that. But the the thing I'm working on is that there's no such thing as a proposal with Google Ads Management. Your first three months of bad data is your proposal, oh, or your yeah. first your first yeah. quarter of running <laughs> is your proposal. And like, okay, what is the cost per click in this industry? How much could I spend? What's my cost per lead going to be? How do people search for this? What are all the great keywords? The the best and most real way to get that information is to pay for it to run a campaign and start. So that's what I'm kind of working on thinking. And it's good to hear that's part, you understand that's part of the process with these broad match modify keywords. And just sometimes you do loose ones. You know, sometimes Chris, I've been building out lazy man builds with pure broad keywords and conveying to the client, like, Hey, you're going to get some weird leads coming in, like weird calls, people that are asking about totally different service. And you'd be like, what, what is going on? Trust me, it's part of the process. We're going to find some absolute gems from that. Um, mm. So I, I like that. Now, once you start getting that data, obviously with the bad ones, you're going to find them and add them as negative keywords. There's nothing lazy man about that. That's just Google Ads management. But one of the things that is a lazy man build question is taking those good search terms that you get and adding them as keywords, clicking that button on the search terms area highlighting the search term, add this as a keyword. And then when you can, when it's teed up, you can put whatever kind of uh, match type things on it you want. The question is how frequently do you do that early on? If, if something gets one click on one impression, are you going to throw it in there? Or do you wait until it proves itself as a high volume or anything that is high quality you throw in there, regardless of volume? What's your process for adding keywords from the search terms page and I'm assuming that's what you do, is that, but you may not even do that. So first question is, do you do that? Do you add good search terms from the search terms page as keywords? And then if you do, how do you decide which ones to add? Yeah, I. Um, it's a great question. I do not add from one impression, one click. I, I very rarely go after one impression, one click stuff, because if you look, that'll be 80% of your volume over time is one impression, one click, one impression, two, two clicks, which... That could be a whole nother discussion there. <laughs> but that kind of thing is very rare because it doesn't really prove volume. So definitely it's going to have to do with volume. And then assuming it has a little bit of volume, there's you know some repeatability of that term or terms like that. Then absolutely, I add from the search, uh, the search terms area, depending on modified broad, phrase, or exact. I mean, that's go back and listen to Jason's green theory discussion, red, green, yellow, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's, so that is where you're adding them from. That is also where I add, add them from. The one issue that I'm thinking of that comes up is I think when you click on a search term, click to add it, you, it throws it in the ad group that it came from, but sometimes there's a better fitting ad group. Um, so sometimes you can just kind of, I, I keep maybe like a spreadsheet or a document up to the side and I just write down the keywords that I want to add based on what I see in the search terms report, but I, I kind of do both, but that is where I get a lot of good keyword ideas, the good search terms that come in. Now, what those keywords that come in, what do you add them as? Do you add more broad match modified keywords or do you start putting in the phrase match, the exact match keywords? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, that, that comes down to what kind of keyword it is and, you know, how different it is from my original terms. And I'm not going to add another modified broad match if it 
it's just a repeat of another one with just a different order or the word for between it or the word the before it, you know, stuff like that. So it, it usually comes to the fact that a four word keyword is probably going to be modified broad, but if it's a two word, it's probably going to be exact or phrase. Um, I mean, that, that's, I don't know. That's hard. I don't have a definite answer on that. Okay, for me, uh, once I'm past this lazy man build and I'm adding keywords, I'm very much more in the mindset of exact keywords, phrase match oh, keywords, okay. and throwing stuff in there. Just because I have my, I have some ad groups developed, I have my broad match modified, and now I'm really trying to get data on those particular keywords. Now, one final thing with keywords, Chris. In 2020, I added a new thing to my search terms review process, and that is... Uh, adding the keyword column when I'm looking at search terms. Oh, yeah. I never used to do that. I always used to just look at search terms. But now that close variants are a much larger factor on all the match types, I'm always on guard, especially with broad match modified, for what I would call two loose keywords. You're getting bad search terms. You're blocking bad search terms. That's great. But you're fixing the symptoms. You're not fixing the actual disease, which is a bad keyword. So I'm always got that keyword column pulled up and I'm I'm always on guard just going like, wait, I'm seeing some bad search terms, but I don't think my campaign's bad overall. Are they all coming from one keyword? Is there one keyword causing a problem here? And I'm on guard to find that keyword and potentially pause it or, or make it more modified. So that's one final thing with keywords. Now, I think one final thing, the only final thing when it comes to the initial stages of a lazy man are ad groups. That is kind of like the final thing you do to take the lazy man and develop it into an actual full-blown campaign. And before before we get into it, remind you guys, if you haven't done it yet, go check out Optio, O-P-T-E-O dot com slash PSP2, an eight-week free trial. It connects to all of your accounts. If you're a freelancer, if you're an agency, you can have all your coworkers or all of your employees in the account using this tool to get things done faster. If you have hundreds and hundreds of accounts or you're working as a freelancer and trying to work your way up and get more, this is a great tool. It will scale with you. And I've talked to many people that uh, speak with me and tell me, yeah, Chris, I've tried it out because of your show, what you've mentioned. And it's one of those tools in my tool belt. You know, it's affordable. It's a great tool to help me think through things a different way. You know, you can't always afford to have a meeting with your client and, and brainstorm ideas or have a an employee meeting and, and look through every account and brainstorm things that you don't see. This is a great streamlined way of brainstorming and coming up with new things in a automated, getting things done faster kind of way. So you'll love it. Optio, O-P-T-E-O dot com slash PSP2. Thanks, Chris. And um, now there are things like ads and ad extensions and making sure your conversion tracking is right. And all that stuff is Google Ads management that we talk about every week. And, and you do that by default. I think in Patreon, we're going to talk about how we look at ads when it comes to a lazy man. Just there's one question we ask ourselves to make sure we, we've got our ads right and they're not hurting us and then we're also going to look at common tweaks you can do to fix volume issues uh with lazy man builds and then we're going to talk about client expectations uh kind of the business of managing mm. expectations with lazy man builds yeah. but besides 
bidding, dealing with ramp up, search terms and keywords, there's one final area of a lazy man build that you have to think about early on that transitions the lazy man build from a lazy man out into getting closer to a full developed Google ads campaign and account. And that that is ad groups. So I'd say the biggest difference with lazy man's compared to regular builds is the amount of ad groups that we use. Um, we, that is the thing that changes everything. It's, it's getting the amount of ad groups as small as possible and then some, and knowing that like, Hey, if, uh, commercial movers and office movers, that is a different word, but you know what? It's, it's closer together than residential moving searches and long distance. So I'm going to put it in its own ad group. You could argue they should be in their own ad group office and commercial. So the ads match, but the idea of a lazy man is no. It's as quick as possible. They can go together, so we are putting them together. Long distance and office can't go together, but office and commercial can. So that that's the biggest thing with Lazy Man Builds is shrinking the amount of ad groups. So that's not a final thing, though. Once you turn it on and start running it, at least for me, and I'm going to ask you, Chris, I'm in a position where my mindset is adding ad groups and developing it into a larger campaign for a couple of reasons we'll talk about. But my first question to you is lazy man build as few ad groups as possible. Literally, sometimes that means just one hmm. when we do these builds. Wow. Sometimes yeah. it means two, sometimes it means four or five, but it's small. So my question to you is, is adding ad groups on your mind as you start seeing the data come in during the first few months? Okay, first few months. Okay, so make sure I'm a, I, I listen to the question completely. Yes, absolutely. In the first few months, adding ad groups. When did you start doing that, by the I way? I know. I'm, you get older, you know, you, you take more time to listen and less time to talk. You get people in your life turning on you, getting angry at you, coming after you after not complaining about anything for years. And then one minute they just blow up on you. And then another person in your personal life blew up on you. And you start asking yourself, like, why is everyone so mad at me? And then you listen to some self-development podcasts because you have a lot of time on your hands and you're quarantining. And you go, hey, 40 something years into my life, I'm going to ask myself, maybe it's something I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And you get better at your podcast position. Just speaking generically. Yeah, generic. Okay. <laughs> Just messing with you. So, no, but it's interesting. Uh, the reason I say that is because sometimes I ask a question and then... You don't know what man, I'm going to say. Some answer comes in from yeah. left field and I'm like, bro, that's like that's like at the end of the podcast yeah. and we just started. So, what are we doing? I've so learned my... It's just mind-blowing to hear that you you listen to the question. So, I, with that said, okay, if I, you remember the question, please answer I have, I'm going to share a funny story in Patreon about whenever I did that. And we and it was super embarrassing because we had a guest on the show and I ruined the entire... Oh, <laughs> you, wow. You, don't, you may not remember, but I'll share that story again. Probably I, I don't know if we out. ever talked about it. But anyway, okay, to answer your question, absolutely. I definitely add ad groups. It is something on my radar. I don't... I wouldn't say I add them typically in the first week, second week, but I'll tell you when I do. And it's a very specific feeling that I'll have. When I see a search term, specifically a search term, and I have that, oh, moment, you know, that ah moment, like, kind of like, is that a thing where I have to copy it and paste it and look in, look in Google to see, is this what I think it is? Like, is, 
Are people looking for this? And when I have that aha moment, that's when I'll create a new ad group because I realize, oh, this is a, there's a gap here. There's a whole channel of search that I didn't even, I didn't even realize. People are searching for the abbreviation of this, not the full spelled out thing. Or people are adding this secondary term that really qualifies it, you know? So yeah, that's um, absolutely something on my radar. And I, I, I definitely consider it to be important and it's, it's an ongoing building process. Okay. I think for me, that would be something like um, you run an orthodontist campaign. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff on their website, a lot of different services. When you talked with the client, they weren't too interested in telling you all about their services. They just were like, hey, I want some good traffic. Let's get up and running. I listen to your podcast. I know about the lazy man build. Let's just go get some good traffic and we'll optimize it from there. So you start doing that. Then you have a bunch of like great orthodontist keywords that are bringing in really high quality orthodontist near me, orthodontist New Orleans, those kind of searches. But then you start seeing the Invisalign searches, orthodontists that do Invisalign, orthodontist Invisalign New Orleans. And you're like, whoa, we should have an ad that speaks to that. I'm on their website now. I do see they have a service page about that. I'm going to email the client, ask them if that's a big part of their business. Get back. Yes, that's my most profitable thing. <laughs> yeah. You build out a new yeah. ad group. So, and and that's a different way of saying this, which is it comes down to if you want the ads to be different, ads and landing pages to be different for a set of keywords than other keywords. That's one reason to build a new ad group. Another reason is if you want to bid differently on a group of keywords, a service line than other service lines. That's how I kind of make my judgment there. Um, and you still want as few ad groups as possible over the long term, but you definitely build on with more ad groups once you start running and turn on that lazy man and get data. Again, if you want to bid differently on them or if you want them to have different ad copy or landing pages, how do you do that? Quick tip for everybody, copying and pasting. You can copy and paste inside the console or you can do it very efficiently inside the Google Ads editor. Boom, copy, paste. You already have the base of the ads teed up and then you can edit those ads in the new ad group. In the old ad group, you pause the keywords that you're moving out, if any are moving out. The new ad group, you pause all the keywords that you don't want from the old one, put in the new ones you want, boom, very simple. So uh, adding ad groups is definitely a big part of it. So with that said, thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to close out our Lazy Man Build talk. Last week, we talked about what they are. This week, we talked about things we deal with with management when you launch them. And uh, we'll go on to Patreon now. And next week, it looks like we'll be talking about search, impression, share, Columns. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing.